nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun pack thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name's Paul Carmichael, and I'll be honest, mate, as soon as you said let's go, I was thinking, do I need a wee? But... Oh, do you? No, I'm going to keep going. Just I'm piss in the goblet. Oh, the goblet's full. This is the problem. I'll have to... Ah! I'll, I'm going to have to empty the goblet of piss to refill it. Summer so, wine. Uh, and summer not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, th- th- you know, I mean, I've got all these receptacles, but they're all Drinks. full. I'm going to have to drink about... What's that? Basically about three quarters of a litre before I'm able to wee. My mate used to piss in beer cans. You'd go round his house... And there'd mm. all be beer cans on the windowsill. Yeah. And he, he used to, they'd be full of piss. And <laughs> I don't understand this. Mm. But the way, what he used to do, piss in beer cans and then put shaving foam on the top. And Who's it was this? like, I think he knew they were full then. So he's not trying to make some sort of dessert? No, but they looked like they had a little sort of, you know, yeah. whip of, of uh, what would that be? Whipped cream, I suppose. A little whipped cream on the top of your, mm. of your piss. That so. one's done. Right. Leave it yeah. to ferment on the side. Would yeah. they stay on the side for long? Oh, yeah. Oh, ah, yeah. Forever. They're probably still there. <laughs> I did have to wee in a plastic bag once in the back of a car when I was touring a show. Mm. And I said to the driver, um, Jackie, who was quite an angry woman, um, and I said to her, oh, can we pull into the services? No. Ooh. Oh, okay. But I need a wee. No. So, oh, God. And by that point, I think, no, I do need a wee. You know when you start to sweat? Oh, I. Because you need a wee so much. Sweating it piss. Might, it might be piss coming out your pores. Yes. It had got piss to that pole? point. Yes. And I thought, I might cry. I need a piss that badly. I Will might you just piss stop. less if you cried? Well, I suppose. Not that much, though, really. I mean, a little pipette's worth of piss. But there was a lot of piss a here. Pissette. Yeah, a pissette. Um, but luckily, there was a plastic bag. So I pissed in it. Right, uh, I thought this is all I can do at the moment, just this a, a bag of piss. But there was a what's it in there, and I was struck <laughs> up by the fact that it looked like when you go to the fur ground and you used to get a plastic bag with a goldfish in. <laughs> so, so it was a bag of piss with a what's it, and I had to wait until we sort of stopped. And luckily enough, we did stop eventually, so I could just sort of lean out the door, pop it into the roadway. And off we went on our way, but that was an unpleasant experience. Well, guys who clear the verges on motorways and stuff like that, um, you know, because it's very common for people to just piss in a bottle and laz it out the window. Is it? They, yeah. Very yeah. common. Well, according <coughs> to the documentary I saw, these poor buggers who clear verges on motorways in the high vis, they call it, anyway, they call it driver tizer. <laughs> <laughs> What right. got me about me mate who pissed in the cans was he didn't actually drink beer. So I think they were all mine that I left when I went round there, probably. So he was sort of what was he doing? Was he marking his territory in some way? He's like, know, You I brought beer how, to my house, I'm gonna piss in it now. I often wondered how he got the old nodger through that little beer can opening. Because they're quite sharp, aren't they? Sharp and small. Well, you don't mm. want to cut your winky. Maybe it was I don't know, maybe it was a game. I've no idea. So maybe he could have sort of like put it on an angle and then tried to sort of piss into the hole. Yeah. Because or then there's down. Or something like that. I mean, there's more of a purpose to it then rather than just just doing the piss, I suppose. At least then he's sort of like making an adventure or a sport out of it. Must be something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Bullseye. Like piss archery. Piss archery. Piss artistry. 
Hmm. I hate waking up these days as an older chap. It piss wakes you up, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Rodney wrote a song called Gypsies in the Night about it. You know, in the sort of cockney <laughs> rhymes like Gypsy's Kiss. Yes. Gypsies in the Night. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I get that. I mean, most mornings now, it doesn't matter what. It, I mean, I can't sleep in this weather anyway. And Because no. I do that segmented sleeping thing. You know, I'm very... Yeah. Basically a Neanderthal when it comes to sleeping. The moment the sun comes up, bump, I'm awake. Yeah. Which is irritating. Mm. However, it's worse in, in winter when it's dark and suddenly you, you're awoken by the sudden need to piss. And it's it's sudden, oh. isn't it? It's not like you can ignore it and go, oh, I'll go back to sleep. The because worst, of piss the bed. The worst one is a hard-on full of piss when you wake up. Oh, well, they're deceptive, aren't they? Mm. I think because it's your body giving you more real estate. I think it is, yeah. But it's also... No, it's deceptive, isn't it? I it's suppose got, you uh, don't store piss in your there. dick, do you? Probably. Oh, I don't know. Well, it's got to go... So I mean, once But you've got to wait, then. You're getting up, you're full, and unless you want to spray the mirror, you've got to wait, so it's kind of... You know, you've got to think about things that make it stop. Well, exactly. But, and to be fair... Having a piss is probably one of those things, unless you're into that. I I sort of will it down. You will it down. Mm. Just just <laughs> just pure just mental force of will. How Churchillian. Dare you? Don't you go, <laughs> Churchillian man. fortitude. It's like down. <laughs> Stop thinking about Alexandra Bastido. And... I I take the John Noakes approach. You know how you shall get down ship. Just basically that sort of thing. Get and that, down, and that down works. Um, that that doesn't work, no, at all. But no. I like that idea of John, just John Noakes live on Blue Peter, sh shouting at his cock. I mean, Is it Patrick Marber who's in um, uh, Paul Calf's video diaries? Yes, it is. And he's just walking around covering his with a bag of crisps going, Nicholas Witchell, Nicholas Witchell, <laughs> Nicholas Witchell. <laughs> just try and make it go down. To be fair, Witchell's not a sexy man. I mean, I remember... No. Uh, when the lesbians invaded the news, do you remember mm. that? And yeah. um, he sat on one of them. And th I can't think of a less arousing image than Nicholas Witchell sitting on a lesbian. It's just nothing that about will, that. That will be what I think of next time I need think to... Think about that. Uh, think about that. Nicholas Witchell in his <laughs> blue suit with a lesbian under him looking pompous while Sue Lawley is actually reading the news. He's just there going, ooh, I've sat on a lesbian. He's got you. that Garden Burns thing going on, hasn't he, Witchell? There's that sort of freckly um, bits of eye. Oh, I got him. I don't know. But you get they get freckles on their eyelids. He has a bit. Although Gordon Burns is quite a sexy man, I would say. Is he? I would say, wouldn't you? There's a. He's got a touch of the Ronnie Allens about him, Gordon Burns. There's that sort of like suave Gordon. Burns. There's a strange strain of uh, Belfast chaps, isn't there? That are sort of. How would you describe it? Very British, I suppose. Do you get what I mean? No. Nor do I. Because whenever I think of Belfast, I either think of the, the why don't you kids, and I don't want to think about why don't you ever. No, well, you wouldn't. I really don't. But I think about the why don't you Belfast gang, and I remember that whenever why don't you would come from BBC Belfast, I'd feel quite threatened, and I wouldn't know what was going on, which I think... Is because my only exposure to Belfast was that it was always exploding. Yeah. And there was a man who looked like a badger, and we weren't allowed to hear his voice. He was so evil. 
Mm. So I never understood that with Jerry Adams, the whole, if you can't hear his voice, then he's less evil somehow. I don't know. I think it was probably something to do with publicity, wasn't it? It was just like, no, we're not giving him a public platform. However, the compromise is you can see him, but you can't hear him. So we'll get someone to dub him instead. Mm. Yeah. But it just leaves open a whole world of possibilities. I mean, they could have got anyone to do that. They could have got Larry Grayson to do it. That the kind of guy really... I'm thinking about. Right. So I went to school with a lad who I thought was a scouser. Mm. Right. But it turns out he's actually from Belfast. Okay. Yes. And now this lad is a Tory MP, which surprised me more than anyone. Well, mm. not that I've told anyone, because who do I tell? Well, it was a long time ago. I'm yes. telling you. Okay. But he's very British. And when you hear him now, because I went and found clips of him on YouTube, because mm. I was like, no way is he a Tory MP. You know? Anyway. Um, no, 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 because you don't He's really very, equate. very British. He's a big supporter of Boris, and he's very, very, very British. So what happened there? Because obviously, when you think of Belfast, you don't automatically think of people Belfast, backing Boris. Belfast, Scouser, Catholic school. So I don't understand. The last thing you would expect is that you've got someone there who's going to be sort of like a a Boris backer. Yeah, but he's a big Boris backer. <laughs> he is. You could think about a big you Boris can look backer him next up. time you need to make the cop go down. Yes, yes, I could. Yeah. Boris Beckham, tennis player. <laughs> um, you uh, you can look him up, Chris Green MP. Okay, I shall have mm. a look for Chris mm. Green MP. Mm. Interesting. It surprised me, but there is a sort of strain of... And he's a Catholic, so I don't know. But there's that kind of unionist thing, isn't there? Do you remember yeah. uh, there was a sketch show on, and I only remember snippets of it because I was so young. Robbie Coltrane was in it. So it was a Scottish one. You know it. What's it called? I think Emma Thompson and all them were in it. Al Fresco. Yeah, it must be that. I think That'd it was be on the BBC, Fresco. though. But anyway. No, no, that's ITV, Al Fresco. I know, this was the BBC. Robbie Coltrane played a, a really unionist guy, and it was like the you know the little sort of credity bit they do on each of these sketches with yeah. a tune. It was like a Billy Boy's tune, and he was out front of his house with a pot of orange paint, painting the roses. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that bit. Anyway, so there is that sort of unionist thing going on. Anyway, I don't even know how we got here. It's very boring. I apologise, listeners. Mm, sorry about that. Yes, yes, but there you go. Okay. Yeah, Gordon Burns, attractive man. No. All right, Goldman's not attractive, but if we put him on an attractive-ometer with Huey Green... Okay, okay. Right. so we've got Burns. Mm. So uh, let's play a bit of a play-your-cards-right. So we've got uh, Gordon <laughs> Burns, <laughs> Nicholas Witchell, higher or lower? Oh, well lower. Well lower. Well okay. lower, yeah. This is my point, you see. If, if we actually... Yeah, I agree with that. Right, okay. So uh, I think we, sh we have to agree, then, that Gordon Burns, there is an element of sexiness, even when only compared to Nicholas Witchell... Even even when he's sitting on a lesbian. Because everything about that should be quite sort of like a bit raunchy, shouldn't it? Ooh, sitting on a lesbian. No, in but a in sort this of case, um, Eddie and Richie kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. But in this case, he's ruined it. Secret love pick of Sue Lawley. That sort of thing. <laughs> and he was right. And Sue Lawley was right there. Yes, she was. There we go. She was. Yeah. It's been a very tiring week. I'm having trouble. <sighs> Unscrambling the thought it? process from piss cans to Sue Lawley. 
all in the first whatever minutes. I mean, there I is a connection there, to be fair, but I think it's libelous, so we shan't say anything. Okay, right, have you got any nice things this week? No, nothing at all. I've bought a nice thing, uh, and it's not here, and I'm very excited about it, because... Very um, excited. It, very excited about this new thing that's coming yes. in, because it's, it's a record, of course, and it's from Record Store Day, and I couldn't make it over for Record Store Day this year, because of the old myelitis, you know. Um, and... Oh, my ass! Terribly painful. It's a good job the people weren't with me the other day as we ran up the stairs. That was an emergency. That was an emergency. That was a bloody emergency. An Needed emergency. a doctor with a clipboard at the top of them stairs. Oh, in an emergency. And then, as soon as we got near the office, it was like, oh, oh, well, it kicked in awfully. Ugh. Then I think I was impressive. Proximity with management. Print that amount. <laughs> no, but right. So I've Proximus ordered this. Maximus. Thing. I've ordered this, um, and it's the amazing world of Doctor Who. That Doctor was, Who. It's a book that was given away with Tetley's tea. Oh, have you got it? I've got a big book though, but it's that. Um... Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's the thing with Tom and the Diamond logo. It, it's got Tom and it's got Liz Sladen on the front. Yeah, I have got a book like that. The Amazing Worlds of Doctor Who, That's isn't it? it, yeah. So what you've got there, and it was given away free with Tetley, I think. Mm. You collected uh, coupons from Tetley Tea. And in the ever-weird world of, of Who and Records, they've, got, they've now had that book read out by Louise Jameson to make a record. So... Mm. I mean, it sounds dreadful, but I had to have it. So I've ordered that. Um, cost a bit, because obviously I didn't make it to record store. How much? Mm, £50. <gasps> I know! My I know. dear boy. But it's one of those things where I thought, don't want it. Absolutely not. But then I thought, imagine. Imagine when I'm in my mid-70s and it's not there. And then I would be furious. There'll be nothing like that then anyway. You'll just be in your pod with your Neuralink headset on um, with everything you ever wanted. Everything I ever wanted is made of vinyl and wood. But you'd be in that room. No, I'm not having any of this shit. You'd have wood. No, absolutely. (laughs) When I woke up, I did a big piss. No, I don't want any of this metaverse shit. I'm not having it. I decided. It's not for me. It's not for me. I would prefer to live... Just give me a cave. Give me a anything. Just not that. Imagine oh, I, think you, I think we're all going to get it, whether we like it or not. Oh, I'll get it all right. No, it'd be like yeah. in that... Um, what's that one called? Uh, the Machine Stops. That mm. short story. Yeah. Basically, that's the metaverse, isn't it? We all sit in our pods all across the globe. And we just stir at a screen and we're fed by that's the machine. Right, what happens when the machine stops? Well, all it would take is a mass coronal ejection, and it'd all be fucked. A mass? Well, I've, I had one of. I've had several of those. <laughs> Just think of Nicholas Witchell. Um, <laughs> a, a mass coronal ejection. A massive uh, storm on the sun. Yes, right. Well, then we're dead. There was one in eighteen eighty-eight called the Carrington Event, mm-hmm. which they had early telegraph stations, Ooh. and um, it, it. There's a clip, a clip, a clipping from the Times of London online you can go look at it it's about the carrington event you could read your book at three in the morning it says uh, so it was a global thing of well the side that was uh, um, you know uh, prone to it i suppose i don't know anyway so these early telegraph stations the it caused they all burst into flames the cables mm. and then the actual telegraph stations exploded so if we had something like that it would knock all the satellites out insta 
it would knock the power grid out. It would just do everything. But this is an important point, isn't it? That sorry, my dog's kicking off. Uh, this is an important point, isn't it? That back then it just made it meant the telegraph stations went. It just meant mm. that you couldn't talk to India for a week. Now, that's right. Now, dead. Mm. Is that an advancement? The fact that now the sun can kill us all, whereas before it couldn't. Well, it's. I, I suspect it's killed us a, a few times. Well, I don't want it to happen again. Well, not nobody does. Nobody does. Well, we should stop encouraging it then. We should well, limit these things. This you can't is why do anything about it. We can. We can say absolutely not. I'm not going to live in a pod with Bill Gates. Oh, that bit. St- yeah, all that. I don't want any of that. No. Well, they seem to want to, don't they? Well, they want to. They can't have it. I don't see. I'm not going to allow these arseholes to dictate it. No. No. The am movement I. starts here. Absolutely it does. not. And and stops here. Let's yeah, be honest. Yes, stops in about four minutes when we move on to talking about the Aneedon line or something. The machine stops. Well, I finished this week. Uh, incidentally, uh, I went to I went to my local Morrison's yesterday. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I ended up buying, what did I buy? I don't know, no idea. I bought some of <laughs> Yeah. Um, onions, I bought some I beef. I've got, oh, I got beef where I went in the morning when uh, I went to buy my chimenea. Oh, um, Anyway, uh, I went to, I... I got onions, but I went for the mojo as I'm in it this month. Um, so um, they didn't have it. They had last month's Johnny Mitchell on the front. You want the Bruce Springsteen one if anyone wants to read it. Um, and they have a table there where you can get books and chuck a donation in the box. Look at that bugger. The best of James Herriot. The best of. So, the I mean, to me, of. the best of James Harriet would be just the bits where he's fisting a cow's bottom. But presumably, it's got more content than just that. Oh, bits. much more content. Though that may be the centerfold. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, the vet finds a wife is one section. It's oh. com- comprehensively illustrated. Obviously. Oh, yeah. um, and I just thought, well, wow. I'm having it here. I'm having it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I've there's out decent. It's, it's worth it for the photos of the scenery, actually. Mm. You know. The Veil into Wensleydale and stuff like that. Beautiful photos. Oh, look at that. So anyway, I got that. It didn't cost me £50. Maybe someone will make it into an album with Benedict Gumberpatch reading it. Well, I I won't listen to it then. If it was somebody... Oh, imagine if it was Robert Hardy. You'd have that, wouldn't you? That'd be boss. I bet you there are records out there of him shouting about all creatures. Your speakers would be bollocks, though, immediately. They'd be smashing. They'd be smashing. And I finished Who Pays the Ferryman? Yes. I managed to finish that, and I have a theory, and I don't even, I'm not even prepared. Let me just see if I have it. Okay. Uh, so for those of you who didn't join us last week, where were you? But um, who pays the ferryman? So we've talked before about the Lotus Eaters, uh, Michael yes. Bird's first series, and then he follows it up, um, where are we? Lotus Eaters is 72, 73, follows it up in 78 with who pays the ferryman. Again, shot uh, partly um, on Crete. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, Mike has got a theory about this. Apart from the fact that it's got more Stefan Griff in, which presumably was the main thing. Oh, I, I just... He's just... I love him. I oh, just it, love him. I mean, on, on the Gordon Burnsometer, he's over there somewhere. He's right up there, Stefan Griff. Stefan Griff is fantastic. Magnificent. Why can't I find that? Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. Mm. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to look for it. Right? right, because I really want to quote properly. Um, so you can keep the boys and girls talking. For... So you've actually written a thesis. 
No, I wrote down the final lines in it, so there are spoilers ahead. Because the oh. writer, yeah. so Michael J. Bird, tells you exactly what the series is about in the final line. If it helps, you've sent me it on WhatsApp. Have yeah. you got it there? Well, I can, I can look at it. Yeah, but how many messages have there been since? Oh, I mean, there have been a few, haven't there? Yes. But, hang on, if I just search, look at this, I can do this. Uh... Uh, um, if I, I thought if I just search for Stephen Griff and it's just come up with all the times you've mentioned Stephen Griff. It will do. They'll be numerous. <laughs> I think about Stephen Griff an awful lot. Nonsense. I didn't send that. Uh, <laughs> I did not Gr- send that. Stephen Griff is my Ronnie Allen. Oh, my word. No, this no, is... you said that. Well, something like that, right. Don't okay. put words into my mouth, dear. Don't need to with all the, with all the love being shown for Griff here. Right, hang on. Uh... I don't know if the boys and girls will be that interested in two elderly men looking at their phones, but I think it has to be done. Let's try searching for who pays. Uh, No. No. No, nothing. No. Nothing at all. Uh, I'm still looking. Okay, fair enough. Well, in that case, uh, I, I could enthrall you with what I've been doing this week, however. I've been on the look and learns... Um, oh, I'm, brilliant! I'm transporting them back. Oh, slow. look at this! This pile that I brought back this week—absolutely um, magnificent stuff. Um, and in the edition from the first of September, nineteen sixty-two, this is lovely. Uh, we've got Admiral Hawke, the I hero of anyway. Quiberon Bay. Oh, go on then. You talk about that whilst no, we no. Let's hear about to the hero of Quiberon Bay. Well, no, no, no. You start with that, and then I'll, I'll fill in because there's an okay. Awful... Because it's very densely written, look and learn. It's like oh, a it's theme. crazy stuff. It's like a thesis for, for but... young boys and girls. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a whole section on how Victor Hugo was an exile. But anyway, do go on. So anyway, this is my thesis on who pays the ferryman. Right. Based upon the last line and a, f- a lot of clues within the series. So Betty Avaniti, when he wakes up, Jack Headley's character, Leandros, she says, and I quote, "It's all. I'm not going to do the voice." Oh, no, do the voice. No. Do the voice for our overseas listeners so they feel involved. No, because she's got a really sexy voice, and she well, and she's and I'll start thinking about her a bit too much. Well, don't do that. I mean, you could no. just do it. Do it a bit no, like I, Harry Enfield doing Stavros. No, I'm just going to give it you straight. Oh, okay, go on. All right, okay. It's all right, Leandros. I know. I know everything. But that was yesterday. We are the future. Now rest. That's how it, how she, what she says to him when he wakes up. Mm. Now rest, okay? And then there's a little scene of him visiting the grave. Yes. Um, of who we believe was his daughter and stuff like that. Mm. And then it ends. I think Jack died in the same car crash as his wife. And I think the whole series, uh, Leandros, is um, passing through... Uh, after Candros takes them across the River Styx, uh-huh. I think he's passing through that stage and now he's in the afterlife. Now rest. Because it makes perfect sense. All those people just so happened to still be alive when he was there. He goes and writes all the wrongs from his life, right? Yeah. And then as soon as that job is done, now rest. That was yesterday. I know everything. How's he got a plane ticket? What do you mean? Well, he, we he's don't say things. Doesn't matter. I think it's all it in his. Does. It's all in. It's it's all. Once he's died, he's in that uh, sort of simulation. What do you call it? Um, 
a, a, a sort of synthetic version. It's it's all like a dream. The whole series. Well, it's uh, all like a dream. I mean, it will have that dream-like quality because bird stuff always does, doesn't it? Anything, anything shot on Crete mm. has got that. But on that Crete ending, or in Crete, what would you say? On Crete, in Crete. I'd say on Crete. Oh, well, sounds like concrete there. But anyway, when I saw mm. the ending, it was just like right. It, there's too many uh, clues that that's what's going on in the whole series. Mm. For my money, anyway. No, he I e- think he it echoes makes sense. so much of the Greek myths mm. in there. Um, <clears throat> you know, you've got the three fates that come into it. You've got all kinds of stuff in there, and everyone from his time there is still there. Which they might be anyway, you know what I mean? But it's kind of like he's the hero, isn't he? And he's mm. constantly the hero. And on it's that quest. hero's journey. The hero's on the journey, quest. the quest, yeah. Okay. And he resolves it. He finally goes and kills the bad guys. Almost dies in the process. Mm. And then she comes along, the goddess of fate, to tell him to rest. And now rest. It's an interesting theory. Well, virtually everyone to do with it is dead. So yes. I stand unchallenged. Well, you do, we could, we might be able to find. So who's alive? Who can we ask? Um, Betty Avaniti. Is she still knocking about? She is. Oh, or she might not be. I don't know. Oh, I hope she is. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Stefan Griff's not. What a damn shame. That's a, when did he die? I think it was 2019 or something. Oh bollocks! Yeah. Typically. But anyway, that's my that's my theory. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. Okay. I think it does make sense. I mean, at the end mm. of the day. All right. So what's the title about then? Who pays the ferryman? The ferryman. Yeah, you who have to pays? Pay, well, you have to pay Haron, don't you? Who? And he, he pays his debt by going back to Crete and saving everyone. So he pays the ferryman. Pay, Leandros pays his debt because there was an unresolved problem when he was in Crete during World War II. Uh-huh. And, and each episode, something gets fixed. Like the That's one true. with Jack Watson in where there's all the thing about that. Then there's the stuff where he fixes her mother, who's mm-hmm. the one who... Oh, that is... Whoa. When she puts the photograph at the end of the bed and she's had the stroke and she can't close her eyes and she has to look at her daughter and grandson mm. that she had killed. Yes. Accidentally. Mm. That's true. But... That's that's one of the most fascinating things if you, if you ever make it out there is that the dead are celebrated. They're not mm, put mm, away. Mm. They're not forgotten. So mm. if you go into you know you go to pick your kebab up and the relatives who have died of the kebab shop owner, there's photographs everywhere, beautiful but faded photographs, and the graves as well. They just have like old photos which they'll wrap in plastic. And mm. stick to the grave, and you just see them fading away over time, which I think is yeah. beautiful. You've got this real monument to to the person, and you can look at the person as they fade away and just remember who they were, or imagine who they were if you've never mm. met them. Which I, I love that 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 yeah. celebratory aspect. I think is something that we don't do in this country, really, do we? We're not very well. We did do, but we've sort of everything's everything's all going to be all right now, isn't it? That's the sort of attitude. Mm. Nothing to worry about. Well, yeah, but everything's going to be all right because we should just ignore it and get on with it because remembering yeah. doesn't make a profit. So we have to do that. Whereas, of well, course, the yeah. Victorians with those wonderful Memento Mori pictures, which I love. And mm. I know that might sound ghoulish, 
But when you see a Memento Mori photo, and I use them uh, talking to the students uh, whenever we're doing sort of contextual stuff, and we talk about Victorians and what they did to the theatre, and you just show them photos, just say, what's interesting about this photo? Nothing. Yeah. What's interesting about this photo? Nothing. Oh, but they're all dead. Yeah. These people just, yeah, yeah, to yeah. actually remember who they were, and they've literally just got them there, stick up the arse, stand them up, take a photo. It's just... Well, don't forget, Stunning. death is an illusion, life is a dream, and we're all the imagination of ourselves. Yes. Uh, life is an illusion. What, what, what did Douglas Adams say? Don't know. So I can't remember, actually, no. Lunchtime, no. doubly so, but I can't remember. Anyway, uh, it's, it's, too, too, it's hot. too hot. It is too, too hot. hot. So anyway, more Jack Headley did have to be uh, obtained, so we have cold it. There you go. The box set. Yeah. I got for the princely sum of fourteen ninety nine delivered off eBay. It's uh, seventy quid on Amazon, and it's mm -hmm. in br brilliant condition. I oh. intend to give the chap glowing feedback. Excellent. No, <laughs> that's that's magnificent. It's just one of those. It's a simply release, isn't it? I think. Um, is it simply or BBC? To entertain. So it's uh, oh, to entertain. Who are now long gone. Um, so to entertain anything like that now is you're not going to get that re-released -re on physical media. I can't. Do you not think? No, I don't think so. The, the the chance. I mean, the old physical media stuff is sadly winding down. Which I don't. Yeah, want. well, I can imagine it will do, but I mean, you know, it's. I blame you for this. I don't even know how you've managed to con me into it. Ooh, Buying things. I've got all these series on a hard drive. Yes, but now you've got them properly. Would you have watched it on a hard drive? No. See, that's I the didn't. thing, is it? I've got. I've got a great big twelve terabytes of of stuff there. Don't want to watch it. No, I know. That's the purely for when the bomb goes off and I need to start the TV station. But there'd be no lecky. You'd have to have the missus on a bike pedalling all day. Uh, or you'd have to pedal. I could, I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm my light is... Uh, uh, can't do that. No, it's not good. I could get the people I allow to live on the island pedal and they could power the television station and then I could introduce the programmes and be the sole audience. That would be it. That's all you'd do. That's all I want. Yeah. That's all I want. Basically, worldwide devastation, my own TV station, and people running it for me so I can watch it. Splendid. There we are. Has it just suddenly got very warm where you are? It has. It's like a big... It has here. Did you hear that thunder last night? Yes. I've never heard thunder that loud in that my was a life. Proper, proper cracker. That first one was just fuck off. Was like, oh, wow, yeah. Won't Shook the house, that one. Yeah. That was, and there's a big storm brewing at the moment, isn't there? Feels uh, like it. No, I, I believe there is. Well, uh, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, so by the time mm. you're listening to it, you might be in the midst of it. But according to the BBC weather app, um, there is thud. Oh my God, there's thundering coming within the next um, twenty minutes. Blimey. However, it should be said that the BBC weather app is the most unreliable app I've ever known. I um, like the other weather. day. Uh, See, I, I like that one because it is accurate, but I mm. like the fact that the BBC weather app is shit. I mean, it's whatever it says, do the opposite, and you're fine. It's so the consistent other day, with the rest of their output. To, no. To the other day... All um, you it, listen to is the Archers. I love the Archers. That's it, though, isn't it? No. Um, Go on, then. Um, there was... There was a there's a thing about the Pennines on at the moment on BBC Four. Mm, all Life in the Pennines. Oh no, it's lovely. It's just people in the Pennines walking about. I love that. That's all nice. Right. They show old Fred Dibner series on BBC Four. Got them all. Mm. 
what on a hard drive might be never watch them then will you i Whereas, do watch them i watch no, them on you... youtube actually fred i'll tell you what's really good americans reacting to fred dibner construction worker chaps why is that good why do i why do because I want they're know? just absolutely open-mouthed and can't believe it you're talking about millennials who can't even butter a brick without four farms filling in because mm. that's the industry they work in and they're just like they yeah. just can't believe it not keen not keen on that it's it's surprisingly nourishing is this yeah but why would i care that someone else is shocked by something i don't know it just well you wouldn't probably I, but i, I do. absolutely wouldn't i genuinely i, I like watching these uh, sort of young guys in america listening to prog albums i like them as well the reaction videos why because they've never heard music like that and they're just blown away by it Right, so you know what they're going to do. They're going to go, wow, gee, that's amazing. It's all about uh, reveling in human joy. <sighs> I know you're not keen. No, I'm not. I'm, it's not that I'm not keen. I'm not interested in what other people think. If I was interested in what other people think, then I wouldn't talk about my love for Crossroads, because I'm sure nobody else understands it. But... Oh, there's plenty on Twitter. There's plenty of your sort on there. Uh, yeah, normally people who are making money out of what I should be doing. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Well, you should usurp them. I'm trying to. Mm, I'm trying sitting here trying. I'm trying my damnedest. God trying. knows I'm trying. It's got extremely warm. It's got I feel proper like I've run warm. out of steam. Yeah, I've, I've got a sweat on now. I wasn't expecting this. I've got I a sweat that, on you. I, <laughs> I think that's this storm. I think it's just so yeah. close now, it's about to absolutely piss down. And yes. then suddenly, the sky Doesn't is Doesn't get dark. any cooler, though. It's like warm water. Mmm. And it's not a nice heat. No. See, again, it's the difference between sort of like an ice tropical heat and our heat. So if you go to Crete, then the moment mm. you get off the plane, it's just like there's a wall of heat. Mm. But it's dry heat, so yeah. you can cope with that. Whereas here, it's that sort of like, you know... Eh. Heat. Yeah, heat. <laughs> heat. Mm. I don't like I don't like mm, that heat. No. At all. No. I don't like that. I don't like that either. No. Um I tell you, it's just too hot for me. I feel like Monkey Henderson today. <laughs> yes. I really do. Yes. I, I do. I tell you what I was thinking of doing the dishes this morning. For some God. reason, Windy Shepherd Henderson. Do you not know that in Father Ted? That's the it, name yes. that comes up every now and then. Yes, I do know that. Uh, like Father Rabula Conundrum. Yes. <laughs> There's some great names that come up. That list Mrs. Doyle yeah. does. Oh, that's a beautiful list of names. Yeah. Absolutely. Father Spodo Komodo. <laughs> that's another one. But Windy Shepherd Henderson, I, I always love the payoff with that one because Ted's always like, which one? There are three. Mm. Brilliant. Oh, it is magnificent. And talking of you doing the dishes, I've been trying to fix the dishwasher. Ah! Mm. And? Well, let's let's clarify what I mean by trying to fix the dishwasher. Okay. I've spent a lot of time looking at it. Yeah. And considering my options. Um I've taken this big bit out of it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not and that but then the big bit came into two pieces. Well, I'm not quite sure how they go back together. Mm. Um I put my hand into the bit, but then something in my head just suddenly said, What if there's a rat in there? So oh, so I panicked. I know. I'd just be thinking about it being switched on. That's my thought. That's the other thing. Yeah. What if it turned on? 
be like a Tales of the Unexpected. It would, but all that it would happen is presumably nothing because it's not like it's full of rotating blades. Is it but not? What, but what if it is? Mm. It's like the start of an episode of Casualty. It is absolutely. It? I'm fishing the fishing, Fini- <laughs> fixing the dishwasher, dear. Yeah. <laughs> In it goes. Ah. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't even need that on an episode of Casualty, does it? I remember Colin Baker guest starred on an episode of Casualty, and he had a slight fall at the beginning. Not yeah. a proper fall. Not like the one you did. You know, proper, proper. Oh, that was proper. Oh, that was a Hollywood fall. A casualty fall basically means someone does a Vic and Bob who have fallen. By the end of the episode, he's dead. Yeah. Well, I've heard in the last couple of weeks two friends of friends who've died falling down the stairs. Really? Yeah. It's just like, I'm the only one that I know of mm. who just got away with it. Blimey. In my little circle, obviously, not globally. Well, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like I'm some kind of... <laughs> Messiah of the stairs, but I have um, fallen down flights of stairs twice that I can remember. Yeah, uh, back in the nineties, uh, one time at my mate's house called Stote, um, I fell down a flight of stairs, and he had he had a house you know with very narrow steps, mm. a bit like yours, and I went from the top to the bottom and was absolutely fine because I was completely hammered. And the other time was at the Cavern Club in Liverpool, and you know what those steps are like. Mm. They're proper steps. Shocking, yeah. I went down pretty much all the way, and by the time I got to the bottom, I'd only spilt a quarter of the pint that I had. There's a professional for you. That was impressive. I was I was proud of that one. Maybe we're both doing a Leandros and we're dead. Oh, God. wonder what the test is, because we're just sat in the house. Is this us paying the ferryman doing this show? Maybe. Maybe. Oh when we get to 100, we get to sort of... We get free, you'd end up in Hades, you. Oh, I would hope so. Yeah. Well, yeah. would you want to go to the other place? Think of who's there. There is no other place. There is no heaven and hell. I mean, no. I'm sort of, I, I go with the Buddhist thing. Hmm. You know, that it's sort of, we're able to reach Nirvana. Right. But uh, other than that, we're on samsara. We're just constantly, no beginning, no end. It's constant if, life and rebirth. Or it's all balls to take the Dawkins approach. Well, Born, but that, that, die, that is a dogma of its own, isn't it? The Dawkins thing. Well, not really. It's the most obvious thing, because there's no evidence to suggest well, that there is anything else. There's, there's no there's, evidence. There's no evidence to suggest there isn't anything else, though. If you take it like that, that's why Martin Atheist was uh, Amos, atheist. Martin Amos was agnostic, because, as he said, there's no evidence to prove its, his ex, its existence. But there's yeah, but no lack ex- of, lack there's of evidence. There's no evidence to, prove it, to disprove it. Lack of evidence is not evidence. Yeah, but that's where you have Kierkegaard's whole... Um, thing about the leap of faith isn't it that's why that's important there are certain things that we humans know are fundamental we know it in our bones we know that this isn't real we know that you know there's no such thing as the physical world and that you're born and you die that's all rubbish no go on well we know what do you mean we know well we know at a fundamental level i've known ever since i was born at a fundamental level, that we're all well, just expressions of consciousness, and that this is a, a dream of that consciousness. This is merely a, a level that one passes through on your way to enlightenment. Did you ever tell the priests this? Because I suspect they would have been jolly. Cross. I questioned everything a lot when I was in school. That's why I was always in trouble. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I just, just, 
I just yeah, think well. that we know that. I think that we choose to be ignorant of it, and it's very trendy and all the other stuff to say that one is an atheist, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, the old notion of a, a judgmental man in the sky, mm. you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's sort of humans attempting to impose a, a, a physical frame upon something that they understand exists but can't explain it. Well, it's an attempt to rationalise, absolutely. But mm. again... Again, I, I just can't get past that point of, of going, well, what's the evidence for this? There is evidence that, there is evidence for my existence. I'm here. It's, it's all about intuition, isn't it? It's, that's what the leap of faith is. That's what Kierkegaard's on about. He's on about that leap of faith whereby you um, assume that you can trust what you fundamentally know that is to be true. Cogito despite... ergo sum, dear. I think, therefore, I am. I mean, at the end of the day, I think, therefore, I am. I am. That's the operant phrase, though, isn't it? I am. There's yeah, only one time that God tells you his name in the Bible when Moses is, is asking, right, okay, everyone's here. Right. You're going to talk to him, are you? Oh, I'll talk to him, says God. And Moses says, what shall I tell him your name is? I am. Or, I think I'm right in saying, the old word for I am is Yahweh, isn't it? Jehovah. Correct, yeah. I think that's right, which is why I am is blasphemous. Mm. And when you say, I think, therefore, I am, I am, if you reinforce that in your conscious mind, your subconscious catches up. Because this is all a projection of our collective consciousness. The whole world is. If that were the case, I would make sure things were a lot nicer, though. I would make sure that I didn't have to work. You and would, I... if you yeah. were willing to sit there and actually write down what it is you want out of life instead of doing what more... I'm not saying you do this, but most people, what they'll do is they're quite happy to reel off a list of what they don't like about the life, but they're unwilling to actually sit down and make a decision as to what it is they actually want. And if people did sit down and make a list about what they actually want and worked single-mindedly towards making that a goal, then their lives would change. And But people are unwilling to. Everyone's just you know, spinning through life. So you'd need to do that, and you'd also need to do some meditation on I am. Mm, what, cool. Uh, and decide what you are. But you're, you... you're far too cynical. No, 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 I'm just wondering if you watched the documentary about Noel Edmonds on Channel 5 last night, because this is all sounding an awful lot like him with his no, fist. No, what, what he's doing is law of attraction, which is presuming the universe will deliver. Right. What I'm talking about is sort of shorthand for it's called the law of assumption which is to presume you already have what you have, and then the world will orientate itself around you. So essentially, work hard and you'll get what you want? Partially. Partially. So, funnily enough, as I was <laughs> explaining to a very bemused-looking Nigel the other day... <laughs> How are you telling Nigel all this? Not all this, but he oh, was on. Poor a, sod. He was on about poor sod. This is solid gold. This will change your life, son. He was on about people. He had work to do, and you're telling him this stuff. No, he wanted to know. He was very interested. Okay, right. Come on, then. We were on about decision making. Right. And I was saying most people make decisions, including me. Mm. You know, I try not to. I try to be conscious. Um, most people make decisions based upon how they feel. Uh -huh. because feelings are the language of the body and thinking is the language of the mind. So in effect, people delegate their thought processes to the bodies instead of using the mind for what it was designed to do, which is to think, to make decisions. Right. It was kind of like that we were chatting. 
but again, that's just... Be- but it's not as though you make that decision and then it just happens. You decide, no. I, I want this to happen, therefore you then have to work. You actually you, have to do you something. You cross the bridge of incidents until it becomes a reality. No, you just do things until it becomes a reality. But you don't do those things unless you believe that you already have it. Or unless... No, bullshit. No, I, because right. if you make a decision based on a feeling, I will never achieve X, Y, and Z, then right. you never will. Right? That's that's you understand that bit. Obviously, yeah. Because you won't do the work. But if you assume that you already have it, then you have the correct mental outlook to engage with the tasks you're talking about. I want the amazing world of Doctor Who LP, therefore I order it off Amazon. Mm, it's not meaningful though, is it? It very much is to me. Alright, I assume I wanted a dog, therefore I got a dog. Mm, again, it's acquisition of material. Right, so this is non-materialistic. It depends. On what? No. It's whatever it is you want it to be. Your reality is whatever you choose it to be. Right, but to get that reality, I don't just hope and it turns up. I actually no, it's have not, to no, get no, no, off no, my no. arse hope, and do hope's it. Hope's a feeling, not a thought. All right, it's not a thought, is it, though? It's not just thinking. I actually then have to do something to get that thing. Yeah, I can't you do. Just... Right, but that's... That's just normal. But you'll find that the opportunity presents itself for you to carry out the subordinate steps that take you to what you assume you already have, simply by assuming you already have it. The world will orientate itself around what you want. Or alternatively, I can think, I want that thing over there, I will have to do A, B and C to get it. Yeah, but those those elements don't become apparent unless you start with that attitude that... It's achievable, and the greatest thing is you already have it. I want the amazing world of Doctor Who. I check the bank app. I go, oh, I can afford that. I go to Amazon. You're attempting to bridle a a materialistic digital framework to something that is is older than us, man. uh, It's not. This is just... Surely this is just you saying, if you want to get something, you've got to go and get it. Hmm. Partly. But that's not anything spiritual. That's just normal. But the thing is that you're not receiving what I'm transmitting, man. Right, okay. Transmit harder. I'm going to listen. It's... It's a big... It's a broad church. Yes, okay. I'm entering the church. I'm entering your church. Broaden yourself for me. Okay, so let's say um, you were after... I don't know a certain job or whatever it may be and you're in a position where you had no opportunity to have the job and all the other stuff so you start at the position of you assume you already have it you imagine it in great detail Mm. okay so one of his exercises right is called the ladder okay now in your conscious mind you constantly say to yourself I will not climb a ladder I will not climb a ladder I will not climb a ladder right you write it down on bits of paper this is how he used to get this guy called Neville Goddard who's behind all this right um, and so he used to get people to buy into what he's talking about because when they came to his thing he said look I'm not going to charge you any money I don't want any money for you why would a guy telling you you can get everything you want in life want money from you mm-hmm. alright so that's how he used to operate and he'd say okay you lot I'm not going to climb a ladder write it down on bits of paper stick them in your wallet put it on the mirror whatever it may be and then every night when you're going to sleep Ooh. because this is what you do you do a state akin to sleep which is where you tap into the subconscious mind right Every night as you're going to sleep, you imagine yourself walking up a ladder in every single detail. He said, right, okay, next Sunday when I'm back, 
If you climbed a ladder, come back. And if you didn't, don't. And then the next Sunday, everyone who climbed a ladder would return. Despite them telling the conscious mind, I will not climb a ladder, in the subconscious mind, they imagined themselves climbing a ladder and lo and behold, they would cross the bridge of incidents and climb a ladder and come back. Right. And that's kind of a good descriptor for how it can work. Right, so I'm not actually imagining a physical ladder that I climb. Yeah. Yeah. And then it and then it manifests in your reality. Can I use a lift? Well, then you would tell yourself, I am not going to use a lift. I am not going to use a lift. Always. Why do I have to tell myself I'm not going to use a lift or climb to a ladder? To prove that your conscious mind is not in control. Well, when I'm falling asleep, it isn't. It's mad shit, then, isn't it? Hmm. You're subconscious. Or just being really tired. Hmm. I mean, this all sounds... I'm... I've... Well, like I know all what shit it, to me. I know what it sounds like to your rationalist mind. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, again, you can, you've, you've had all of this though. You've had all As the John, incense and the angels and all I that. I do. I, I that do helps. love all that. I do love all that. But as John Lennon sang, "Whatever gets you through the night," and if it is the amazing worlds of Doctor Who LP, yeah, yes, then that's great too. It is. It is absolutely great. It's all about achieving contentment in it. Life. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I have been telling myself for several weeks I won't buy that. There you go. But then and I yet, thought, as you're dropping off, you're imagining unwrapping it. Well, there was a little bit of that. She's great, Louise Jameson, though, isn't Louise she? Jameson, love. I, I think Louise you need Jameson. to give everyone the inside baseball, as people on, say. On what? On uh, the Doctor and Perry. Absolutely not. Not at what the minute. Damn shame. No, no, not yet. Oh, Twitter was sort of quite hinty, though. It was a bit hinty, but mm. yeah, no, I'm I'm still piecing things together on that one. But it's mm. interesting, isn't it? It's a, mm. it's a it's a strange thing when you suddenly discover that relationships that you thought, oh, that's nice, suddenly maybe aren't. But uh, mm. uh, there'll be stuff. and also a great shame. Yeah, it always is. But then again, you know, over time, people change, don't they? I suppose they do, and all. They change hugely, and you can yeah. think you know someone, and then all of a sudden, it turns out not to be the case. Yes, you can end up in a mad world of madness, can't you? Oh, God, you know. so easily. So um, easily, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame. That was that was going to be... I was going to ride that one for a little oh, bit. Oh, no, no. We'll ride that one uh, when there's more to be said, but uh, not yet. That's a developing mm. story. Developing uh, stories. Developing story. And I am like the BBC. I like to corroborate from two sources at least, rather than GB News, where you hear someone and they say, hey, have you had this while they're having a piss? And you go, ooh, that's news then. Uh, I watched I GB News the other week. Oh, forgot. Why? Well, you did as well, the thing, the, the Eamon Holmes thing. Oh, well, yes, but I watched it for different reasons. I well, I watched it for that reason. It. I wanted to see what he was going to do. And at the end of the day, it was bugger all. <laughs> it was awful, that, wasn't it? Two hours of, oh, it's coming on soon. We'll keep watching. It'll it's be on, on in a moment. So he's Absolutely new to me, dreadful. but he's been around for years, it looks like. That Wooden fella. Mm. I think he was showbiz correspondent at The Sun. Mm. Tells you everything you need to know, really, doesn't really? it? Really? Is that GB News, Calvin McKenzie, then? No, um... I don't think Mackenzie's involved in either of them. I know that um, 
what who was his number two at live? Uh, Nick Ferrari, because he's yeah. at um, Talk TV. He's an interesting one. He was on this Noel Edmonds documentary. Okay, I'm going to have to watch this Noel Edmonds thing. It's it's worth a look because it, all the little inside bits. Because of course it, it featured an awful lot on the Late Late Breakfast Show where yeah. they used to have the Whirly Wheel, and that bloke died. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know they'd actually they wasn't just that pick- a crate he was in and it fell. That's right. Yeah, the idea was it was um, so he, he's he's on the whirly wheel, and for the whirly wheel you could nominate anyone—a a spouse, a relative, a friend—and they'd go on the whirly wheel. Noel would spin the wheel, and if it landed on your name, he'd pull your name off, and it would reveal what you were going to do underneath. Right. Um, and there was so this bloke, and he selected to do this mad stunt, uh, which originally was going to be some sort of a wall of death routine. And they got a bloke who's done so much work on all sorts of feature films, doing motorcycle riding. And he was brought in to oversee it. And in the end, he said, you can't do this. This is not safe. Someone's going to die. I am not going to be a part of it. And he left. Then he gets a phone call the next day from the production office going, "Okay, we're not going to do that. But, and this is how he put it, they phoned me up and they said... What's the most dangerous thing we could do to a member of the public? And he said, at that point, I said, stop phoning me and put the phone down. So the most dangerous thing they could do was have a bloke in a crate and the bloke's got a bungee rope on him and then they're going to drop the crate. And unsurprisingly, it killed a chap. Um, 2,000 quid was the fine. No. 2,000 pounds. And what about the guy's family? What did they get? Bugger all. They got the two grand. Oh, man. They got two grand for that. So um, it was a fascinating thing to actually realise how... There's a, there's another clip that they showed where someone had to do uh, one of those things where, you know, a car goes up a ramp and over a load of other cars. Yeah. And they tried it once. And it is all live, of course. So up he goes <laughs> over the ramp and bang! And the, the car hits and it crashes down properly goes smack into the ground and they're like oh god that's quite serious and then they find out oh no he's okay he's still alive we've just got time to do it again so they do it again in the same car that's just been in an accident at which point the car goes up the ramp over the cars comes down at a steep angle the nose of the car hits one of the other cars it spins several times lands on its uh, top but Noel's being counted out of the programme at this point. So he says, well, uh, hopefully everything's okay there. Um, join us again next week. Uh, we've got Kick Creole and the Coconuts in the studio. It's like, but Noel, the man might be dead. So you've got that going on. And then, oh, it's just this amazing thing taking you through all the shows. Even uh, when they get to Noel's house party. By the end of which, he seems to have been going a little bit. A little bit mad. Um, the very last episode you're talking about. The very last episode. Was, go on. Sorry to cock your juices, yeah. but just one point. Mm. What always amazed me with that, because you know mm. that in uh, Bottom, Ed, uh, Eddie says the line to Richie when they want to watch the telly at Christmas, don't they? But it's Noel's family Christmas accident in a minute. Yeah. Yes. Um, what gets me is that business as usual, the show continues. Oh, yeah. Just continues. So, That's to it. 93, wasn't it? Um, Noel's house party went on until 99. Whoa, okay. Right through till 99. But by the end of it, in that last series, because there was some, there were budget cuts, happens occasionally, you know, high inflation, low but lower budgets, and we see that in television. 
But there was one where Noel, because he used to fly in his helicopter to TV centre, and there was one where he flew in in his helicopter, landed, and then about an hour before the show goes on, he's like, no thank you, gets in his helicopter and goes home. And they're like, shit, what do we do? Show an old one. Um, so a little odd by that point. Um, and yeah. then after that, he had a show on Sky, which is the strangest programme ever where he basically just takes on... It's a bit like Watchdog, presented by someone who's very, very angry. And there's one where he focuses in on the press officer for Havisham Council, and he names and shames this man, and he's shouting down the lens, you are everything that is wrong with this country! And this poor bloke who's just civil servant doing his job. It's a very strange watch. It's well worth a watch. It's uh, Channel 5 last night. I think it was called The Rise and Fall of Noel Edmonds. It's worth a look, mate. Absolutely. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad yeah. stuff. He is an interesting character, though, Noel Edmonds, isn't he? Oh, oh, God, yeah. A mate of mine who used to... Um, I think he used to run it, but I'm not sure. He was certainly one of the bigwigs at... You know, the Peace Centre in Warrington? Yes, yeah. He said they all turned up at some bloody motorway hotel or something like that for a conference on video conferencing, or something like a seminar on video conferencing. And it was a Noel Edmonds company who ran it. Um, and they all sat there in this room, and there was a telly on, and Noel's there on the telly, welcome, and, and it's breaking up and all this other stuff, and uh, doing a Norman Collier. And Bob said that at that moment, at the back of the room, the doors burst open, but that was yesterday. Oh. Today we can do that. And it was Noel. Who just like he'd helicoptered in and he had the bloody uh, headset on with the mic and that that was yesterday. Oh. We've got for so he's flogging video conferencing facilities, um, mm. equipment I suppose up and down the country because that was his. Um, do you remember John Peel saying he went for a went for a, a to a party one Christmas at Noel Edmonds' house and, mm. and he didn't even own a record player Blimey. and he was a Radio One DJ at the yeah, time. Yeah, he was. And uh, Peely was just like I think, I think that's says a lot. He didn't own any records. That does say a lot. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And he uh, pretty much went bankrupt, didn't he, as well? He was defrauded. Yeah, there was the Blobby World thing and all oh, that. Oh, there was that as well. I'll tell yeah. you what, though. Fair play to the guy. Deal or no deal. What a comeback. Oh, that's an amazing show. I mean, that's a show in which literally nothing happens. No, I tell you, I, I used to watch it, believe this or not. I actually used to sit and watch Deal or No Deal after work. I can't believe it like now, but I did used to watch telly an awful lot. Did you have a strategy you would have employed? With Deal or No Deal? Mm. Ooh, drink tea and watch it, really. No, if you would have oh, oh, if I'd have been on it. Yeah, because they always had their little schemes, and there was one bloke, and he's absolutely, he's got this scheme worked out, and they're talking about all that sort of, you know, the old cosmic ordering and that, and I think there's, uh, there's a book that they mentioned that Noel was really into, and... The but secret. If you, if you went backstage at Deal or No Deal, it was like a cult. I mean, mm -hmm. it really was. So you'd have um, you'd have floor managers in there whipping people up. Come on, why? And all this sort of crap to just inspire them to open the right box, even though it was totally at random. Well, there's Ken Barlow's in some mad thing, isn't he? He's a druid. Is that what it is? Yeah, I know he's, he's in a... some mad thing, isn't he? And his son now is in it. All oh, right, no, I think uh, William Roach is a chief druid. Right, right, mm. yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, it's doing him good. I mean, why is he 80-odd? Oh, no, he's into his 90s now. I think he's 91, 92. Still doing Cory. Yeah, but he doesn't look it. He really doesn't look it. He claims he's never going to die, doesn't he? Does he? Hmm. Well, 
Maybe he won't. Maybe he knows the same. Maybe we should become druids. I, fan- I fancy that. I fancy that. But Wasn't then... it invented, though, 18th century or something, druidry? It's, well, not, it's not pucker, is it? Well, yeah, there's no... I mean, nothing's written down, because we're talking... I mean, anything like that was wiped out when the Romans invaded 54 AD. Correct. After that, it's all gone. So nothing's written down, so it's all guesswork. They Maybe they wore robes. Uh, maybe they chanted at Stonehenge. Mm. I read an interesting thing this week. So before Plato, none of Greek philosophy was written down. Mm. It was all oral tradition. Yeah, you mentioned that. That is interesting. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Thousands of years of it. But then, I mean, we rely, or we relied so much on that sort of thing. I mean, the the, the first folio of Shakespeare, mm. ultimately, that's just Hemings and Condell sat there trying to remember the words, you know, seven years after he's dead, and they're going, oh, I think I said this, I think I said that. Which is why, you know, you where we think it's in the pro- it's probably pretty I didn't close. know that. I thought oh. they'd gathered together the man- manuscripts. Oh, God, no. No original manuscripts, hardly at all. Um, I mean... Oh, even dodgier. No, if you burn the globe down at the end of the day, most stuff's going to go up. Plus, why would... Don't forget, they didn't have play scripts. So if I we thought were... that Shakespeare was a broker of plays. No, but... Uh, no, so they must have a... existed, like, in but, order to be brokered. Well, it's how. How did they exist? So you got things like the foul paper copies. So foul papers were like pirate videos, where someone would sit in the globe and try and write it down really, really quickly yeah. as it was being said, and then publish it. Okay. So you got those versions. I think there's... Um, which one have I read? I think I've read a foul papers version of Hamlet, which is just terrible. And it's just, like, so poorly written. So you've got that, and then you've got the first folio, which actually gathers them together. Um... But, and then uh, there's a lovely thing, there was a copyright dispute when they were trying to do them. I think it was uh, Timon of Athens, the copyright on that one was owned by another publisher, and they really tried to get it. He's like, no, we can't have it. So they put in one of the big long plays instead, I think it may have been The, the Rape of Lucretia, and then all of a sudden, okay, you can have it now. So oh, shit, we've got to find room for that. Put that in. So that's probably the reason why we haven't got things like um, Love's Labour's One. Because somebody else owned the copyright and wouldn't let them put All it. All right. In the well, book. if they owned the copyright, they must have had a copy. Yeah, a copy. But why would it still exist? You're talking about, you know, little playbooks, tiny little ephemeral things. They weren't designed to be kept. Now, if you went for the uh, for the folio, they were designed to be kept, but they cost a bloody fortune. They were mm. a pound. Yeah. That's you know a shit ton. That's a shit ton. Six yeah. months' wages. You know that's yeah. a lot, so you're not going to shift many copies of it. But but we need to write some to stuff. Kept. We need to find bloody time. That would be good, wouldn't it? When will you find the time? Not this week coming up, dear. No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. I want to write some. I started a book earlier this year, and I want to mm. do some other stuff. Mm. It's not fur. No, it's not. No, it's not. Can't you just sort of walk up your ladder and picture the book? And then it'll just be there. If I had the headspace, I'd be doing all that. Mm. But unfortunately, the material world is impinging upon yeah. my me time. No, I know. Quite a bit. Anyway, yeah. the zip on my tomato tent broke this week. Mm. On the tomato zone? The tomato zone, but fixed now. Oh, how mm. did you fix it? Or was this a mark job? It was a mark job. You were uh, on Zoom with me at the time. I was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um. He was happy doing it, thank God. He did it once, and then it's me, not him. 
It's not you, it's me. Um, I got a grow bag tray for the bottom of it, and it was too big, and it made the zips brassed out a bit. Oh, okay. Aye. So anyway, God bless him. He uh, he fixed it with me on Zoom with you. What a geezer. What a guy. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. There you go. <clears throat> and well, t- Tomato Zone is now up and running again. Well, it's interesting. So I've got... Uh, another four tomato plants just in a grow bag, and I was going to buy another tomato zone. Oh. Uh, I thought, well, and I, I thought, no. You know what I mean? No. No, mm. mother. I should, I should leave those to the elements. And I've left them to the elements, and the ones in the tomato zone are kicking their ass. They're growing a lot quicker. Well, yes. Chilies aren't doing well. No. Mm. Don't well, that's probably because chilies are shit, aren't they? Oh, no, they're not. Oh, they are. Do you not like chilies? I don't like any food that hurts me. I love chilies. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. Like, like whenever I go to, to the local Indian takeaway or something like that, which is a lovely place. You know, it's a lovely restaurant, and um, yeah, I've been going there for years. And there's always the same joke, which is, "You haven't brought him with you, have you?" Uh, <laughs> which is because I once went there with Tony Slattery, and it all got a bit messy. Oh, I see. Uh, all I can remember at one point was having to shout at him. Um, uh, Why? At what was going on? I can't honestly remember, but I ended up shouting at him. But for some reason, I decided I would take you away from the table and shout at And we went into the kitchen. So there's all these bemused people cooking whilst I'm shouting at Tony Slattery. It was a very odd experience, dear. Um, but a, a wow. lovely thing. But then you see these <laughs> That's people. a sitcom. Well, oh. it's, it's one episode of a sitcom with him as a guest star. Absolutely it is. but Like Chance but, in a Million or something. But when I go in there, and I just see these people bright red and sweating, and I just think, you don't look happy doing that. I don't understand. You see, I, I eat hot curries. Right. Okay, but they don't bother me, if you know what I mean. I always go for the naga, which is the naga chilli. Right. Now, and I that's also naga. something in devil worship, isn't it? To do with a cult. Oh, I don't know. I'm fairly... Oh, that was in Dark Shadows. Doesn't matter. They made it up. Right, oh, go no. on. Right. Yeah, the Naga Chili's beautiful because it's right. got a flavour. Like the Scotch Bonnet's the same. They're hot, but they've got a flavour that you won't get in your normal sort of, uh, you know, finger chilies or anything like that. They're quite, eh, mm. you know, there's not much in them. There's no heat, certainly. So when you sort of step up the Scoville scale and get to somewhere like... Uh, uh, I-, I once bought uh, Komodo Dragons chilies they look like scotch bonnets right so i think i put a whole one in a curry because one scotch bonnet in a curry if you're doing a curry is fine you know well it is for me anyway maybe i put two in seeded it don't matter I mean, komodo but, dragons all i can recall is if they bite you they're so full of like shit in their mouths that you just get infected because they're so full of bacteria well, you just need so, one bite from that i put the same amount thinking they were scotch bonnets as komodos it's the only curry I've never been able to eat. Mm. It was the hottest curry you've ever tasted. Shocking. Well, the hottest curry I've ever tasted is a korma. Well, yeah, I don't understand. Well, because it won't hurt me. I like the, the recipes in Madda Jaffrey's Indian cookery. They're great. Right. Gujarati fried cabbage. Oh, not hot at all. Not right. hot at all. Not hot at all. People, when they come round here for food, beg me to, oh, have you done the cabbage? Oh, I didn't, but, uh. and you think, we're talking about cabbage? Mm. But it's so tasty. 
Okay. It's Maybe what we taste. should do is you could cook some cook various it. selections of curry and we could I could come over and we could do a special video oh, yeah. for boys and girls. When I go to Rupert's, I always do a day cooking curries. Right. The cabbage, the uh, paneer methi. Um, what else do I do? Part of I the arse, a, isn't it? I did, uh, I did sour chickpeas the last time, which is gorgeous. Mm. Just chickpeas, curry leaves and uh, garam masala and things like that. Very nice. Mm. No chicken or anything. Yeah, but he oh. does that. It's 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 your host's privilege to make the main dish. You see. Right. I, see. I, I believe that's form. Oh, that, okay. that that appears to be the thing. Yes. Right. And then um, there's a fantastic Indian supermarket near his house, so it's just like fresh fenugreek, fresh coriander, fresh curry leaves, all the greats. I'm hungry now. Yeah, you're hungry, and I need a wee. Yeah, we shall have to do a curry night. We'll do that. And Bring the old wife over, and I and shall. I can vomit, and it can no, be no, 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 no. Indian food doesn't have to be spicy. Well, okay, because mm. I've seen, I've seen, because I've seen people on the internet. I have, and I've seen what happens when they go. I'm going to try this. People say it's too hot, and then it looks but like Naga, they are dying. Naga chili, you can get it in jars called Mister Naga, and so if I've got people coming round and I'm cooking a load of stuff, I merely have the jar and I add. To my own plate. Uh, okay. So everybody knows who everybody is. Right. And I think that if anyone's listened this far, they must be like that. You are so bastard hard up for things to talk about this week. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Michael's carry now. Well, we started with Nicholas Witchell and piss. I mean, it was never going to go uphill, was it? It wasn't. The piss can never go uphill. It unless can't. it's that road in Ireland. Oh, yes, that's true. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Or unless you wake up with the hard one, then... then oh, it's up the mirror, then. There you go. Yeah, yeah, way up the mirror. Something for us all to think about. Indeed. Well, I suppose at our age, we should be delighted. Should be, really. Is that lovely thing in Jeffrey Bernardism, well, just as he leaves, and the final sort of moment as he staggers and he turns back to the audience and he says, Last week I got an erection... I was so amazed I took its photograph. <laughs> Life after death, what more proof could you need? And he exits. Oh, it's a wonderful end. Oh, that. man. I can't wonderful. imagine Dennis Waterman doing great justice to the play. No, no, I can't. But there you go. Well, on that happy note, hmm. we bid you all a fond week, as it's far too hot. I can't be arsed no. doing anything. But, but there I might be a storm in coming. There might be a storm in coming, and you need to stay on the line after this, dear. I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. Wick. For things that people don't want to listen to. No. Oh, they might do. They wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. I don't want to. I don't. So, until the next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.